big ol' I just wanna ride on my motorcycle Hello everybody and welcome. This is the NoCo Moto Podcast, episode number 134. I'm your host, MotoGP, and with me is your other host, Swiggy. Yo. Coming to you from northern Colorado and also NoCoMoto headquarters, which is also Moto One Podcast Network Studios. And, well, there's really nothing special this week. We thought we were going to clean up the studio and make some adjustments, but we didn't. We just got sucked down a deep, dark hole of how would one go about putting a turbo and NOS kit on a 150 scooter. Um, let's see here. We don't have any corrections or emissions at the top of this show, do we? Uh, nope. No. I think we got one email that we might read later. Is that right? Maybe. One, one or two. Anyway, uh, it, it's, it's only a few days after we recorded the last episode, so there hasn't been much time for emails to come in. So next week will probably be heavy on the emails. So other than that, it's a pretty easy breakdown of what this week's episode is going to be. We're going to do best worst bike, of course, like we always do. And then we're going to go through a, I've got to say, hilarious list of now defunct motorcycle fads. There is some choice stuff on here that, as a community, I think we'd all like to forget. And we're just going to hold that mirror up to all of us <laughs> at the same time. Uh, yeah, so look forward to that. Um, I don't think there's anything else to get into. Are you ready to get into Best Worst Bikes, Wigs? Let's do it. Here we go. Getting into it real quick, as always, because we're the motorcycle podcast that delivers the hardcore motorcycle content fast and often and early. Okay, so we're going to do best worst bike, and here's how this works. I don't know. I, people seem to like this intro that I do, that I've done now, like, more than 100 times. And for how many new listeners? Like, hardly any. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to do best worst bike. What we do is we each pick a different motorcycle every week and we alternate who has the best bike in the world this week and who has the worst bike in the world this week. We don't know what each other have chosen. It's always a surprise. It makes it fun. It gives it an, an element of discovery, you know, just like you're discovering what it is. So are we now. Sometimes we don't think that far ahead. Sometimes we decide what the bike will be on the day of or 30 minutes before recording. Sometimes it's a bad choice. But you know what? Much like – you know how in European sports the ref just makes a call and even if they do a playback and they find out it was wrong, they just stick with it? That's how this works. We're going to pick the bikes and you're just going to have to deal with it even if it's wrong. So don't send any angry emails. Send nice emails to contact at nokomotopodcast.com. And if you're angry about the choices, just remember Donald Trump's last tweet. There's no crying in motorcycles. So, Solid. Okay, Swigs, you have best uh, worst bike in the world this week. I do have worst bike in the world this week. Whew. Okay. I've still only fucked it up twice, I think, right? At least uh, once really hard, but... Yeah. 
<laughs> or did I fuck up or did you just pick the wrong? It doesn't matter. I, okay. it, both have happened. Both have happened. Right. So you have the worst bike. Are you ready to reveal it? I am. Okay. And the worst bike in the world this week is the Triumph Street Scrambler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had something else picked out, but I needed to call this out because you know what? Enough. This I, is well, hold on. I just want to say my two cents real quick. This is a motorcycle that functionally is a perfectly good motorcycle. I'm feeling like our entire problem here is philosophical. Y- yes. Okay, look. I'm sure that it's a reasonable value proposition, maybe a bit of a premium, but overall pretty solid. You know it's a fancy, sophisticated British motorcycle because it has a chain on the right-hand side and it has a two-tone tank. Very nice. Sophisticated. I mean, it's Triumph. They have good fit and finish. You get a quality thing. Yeah. Pinky's out. All good. But... Let's talk about where this name, where this styling, what this idea is. It's now the Street Scrambler. We're going from a philosophy of, well, we're going from a purely utilitarian, functional, standard motorcycle. They're kind of originally, you know, back in like the 30s and 40s. And then we had, moving on, we had, we had, uh, People taking these standard bikes and diverging into cafe racers and into scramblers. Where the concept of a dirt bike didn't exist. And you essentially had to make your own dirt bike. Which is what scramblers were. They were standard bikes. You changed out the tires. You modded the bike. You probably moved the pipes. You did all sorts of things. Just make it more functional off-road. We're now going back and forth between dirt and street in both functional and aesthetic ways that this bike is now so incestuously designed between the two. Like it is it is as inbred as the royal family in terms of style and functionality. Like it's its own grandpa. Okay, like (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, (laughs) and enough's enough. Okay, we've had lots of fake adventure bikes. We've had lots of fake dirt bikes. We've had all sorts of you know. We've kind of gone two ways where we've we've accepted the supermoto to a degree. We understand. That things like the NC750X, which we both love, does have a little bit of fraud in it with its fake adventure bike styling. Yeah, it has hard limitations, for sure. But now we're just saying, well, this is a scrambler, but it does no scrambling whatsoever. Yet even in the ad, like they just ride it through a flat field. Right. Now... Can we accept at this point that we have gone, we are in so deep that the the whole philosophy, the whole progression of this 
of this fashion has essentially mirrored soccer mom SUVs. Can we accept that? Can we acknowledge that? I think so. We need to get back to something real here. We need to have some self-awareness. And this is just a step too far. Well, it's especially a step too far when this company makes the Scrambler 1200, which is the big Scrambler that actually does Scrambler things. Right. So it's a contradiction within the brand itself. This is, well, it's so weird because it, it at its heart, it's kind of just a different flavor of the Bonneville. But there was already just the Triumph Scrambler, which was just a Bonneville that came with knobbies, different size rims, and a high exhaust. Like that was like the extent of the difference. And then this is, I guess, taken the street twin and made it a scrambler or something. Like, I don't know where the street comes from. Is it the street motor, not the bonnet? Like, what? What? I neither know nor care. I. This is too far. We we need to rein it in. Like they, it's it feels like they took the Triumph Scrambler and made it less scrambly or something i mean it's got a different rear fender i guess it's got fork gaiters i guess is that scrambly i don't know I... look i'm just I, I can't deal with it anymore we need to have some degree of groundedness that we can build off of because like this is this is like buying this is this is buying a Jeep with road tires. Yeah. And, and you can acknowledge that. Does it have a fake skid plate on it? Like, is there a, a skid plate there? Or are there just brackets to hold one should you make that addition? It's tough to see. It's a real skid plate. Well, well I don't know if it is a real skid it's plate. It's shaped like a skid plate. <laughs> Will something go through it? I don't know. I... Less people will ever ride one of these off-road than will their their um, their big adventure bike that they just bought for touring. And but it's also going a step further because by calling it, you know, whether street actually refers to the street twin or whether it refers to it being a scrambler that's essentially supermotoed out. Ultimately, it's giving you permission right off the bat for this to be a fully road-going bike, which is clearly the intention by showing it with the street tires. But we're... If the, if, if the added functionality is you can just ride it through a flat field, I mean, I'll do that on a Ducati V4. No, I it's the taken... opposite. No, it's not about it being able to ride through a field. It's giving you permission to use this purely as a road bike. Yeah, because it's the street scrambler. I mean, there are those dedicated scramblers, but this is a scrambler for the street. A dedicated street scrambler, if you will. Right. <laughs> what an insane name yeah and, and they also claim that this one has more distinctive scrambler styling i just read that in the copy there well you know but ultimately we're this is 
They've put a round badge on the battery cover. I guess that's supposed to be throwback. The point is that this is essentially being honest with what all of the big adventure bikes really are. If you look at like the Multistrada and the 1190 Adventure and the uh, Super Tenere. Uh, Super Tenere is a bit more legit. That's a bit more in the Africa yeah. Twin ter- territory, but like the uh, the BMW, you know, the 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 twelve fifty. When you look at all these bikes, really, this is just saying, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to be honest. This is a lifestyle bike that you're just going to ride to the coffee shop. We're going to be totally upfront about it, and we're going to give you permission. You don't have to pretend anymore. And even with the facade dropped, without the lies, it's still disgusting. The whole... I mean, I I would love to have one of these if it wasn't called the Street Scrambler and it didn't have this whole history and this evolution behind it. Yeah, because it's 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 actually a very handsome looking bike. It's a flavor of Bonneville that I wouldn't mind having if it just had a regular exhaust. If you just put a regular exhaust on this and said, this is the new Bonneville, I'm game. Like, I don't need a 1200cc Bonneville. The 900 will do just fine. I, I don't need that much power. I, You know, the chunky tires are, are kind of like a, a modern look. And if you just said like, okay, this is the new Bonneville. It comes with these size tires and, it, you know, you, you still got your spoked rims and, and all those things. And it's, it's I don't know, classic Britishy, but in a different way. We're not doing chrome fenders. I'd be like, okay, cool. You know, do what you're going to do. Like, I fine. But, yeah. Yeah. Can we just be real with ourselves? Can we just stop? Yeah. I, I think the, the Bolt Scrambler thing, what was that called again? Why, why am I? The blank? SCR 950? Yeah. That's, I would probably still buy that instead of this. I would. Yeah, and save $5,000. At least it's lying to save face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, the hmm. it's shameless. That's the problem. It is utterly shameless about the fact that it's a lifestyle bike that is selling to old dudes. It's like saying it's like going to like a fancy charity ball for the ultra wealthy and introducing people to your mistress. And being like, hey, this is the prostitute I sleep with on the regular. (laughs) (laughs) At least have the decency to lie. Okay? Anyway, I don't have any other points. Yeah, you 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 had strong feelings about this. Fortunately, I think this this trend is, is, is disappearing. I think... Uh, more of these things are going towards a sort of flat track direction, like the Indian FTR. They're going, okay, rather than building these, these ridiculous lifestyle things, let's, let's at least, 
let's at least make it functional in some sort of barely relevant way. Like not many people are actually into flat track racing, but lots of people would like to say that they are. Mm -hmm. Thus the allure of the FTR, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's move on to best bike this week. <laughs> you ready for that? Let's go. Okay. And the best bike in the world this week is the 2010 Ducati 848 and 848 Evo. This is probably the greatest super sport motorcycle to ever exist. So first I want to talk about what this motorcycle means to Ducati. So we've talked about a lot of Ducatis on this show. Uh, the oldest one that we talked, not the oldest one, but sort of the first modern Ducati, the Ducati that made Ducati was the, uh, the 851 and the 888. Those were like modern Ducati super bikes kind of starts in the late eighties, early nineties. And they didn't do it then, but by the time Ducati got to the 916, they made a big version and then a little baby version of their premium sport bikes, right? Mm -hmm. So with the Ducati um, 916, the baby version was the 748, Which is super duper uncool. There's nothing cooler than a 916, and there's almost no worse bait and switch than a 748. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you move on to you've got the Ducati 999, and then you've got the Ducati 749, another horribly uncool Ducati. Terrible bait and switch. I mean, they're, these bikes are the same frame of the same body panels. They usually have smaller wheels. They usually have less premium brakes and a few other less premium components and obviously scaled down cheaper motors, right? This was the first baby Ducati that was really fucking cool and it does something different than what its larger counterpart was so the the 1098 was the big one right that that's the one that this sort of matches styling with and everything the 848 for the first time really was leading its class which is super sports so this would be comparable to a Gixxer 600, a CBR 600, an R6, right? But all of a sudden, instead of having a, a slightly larger V-twin version of the 600s, right? Like the 750 twins just weren't really cutting it power-wise in comparison to what the, the you know R6s and Gixxer 600s were doing. All of a sudden, in the 848, you get... I 
amazing styling as compared to the the Japanese inline four bikes, but you've got all of a sudden butt kicking power. I mean, let's look at some numbers. So depending on where you're Googling your facts, right? You've got anywhere from I th- uh, 117 to 134 horsepower. I don't know if some of these are at the crank and what's at the rear wheel, but we have essentially the same peak horsepower as the Japanese 600s, right? That's actually pretty crazy. Yeah, out of a V-twin, especially sub one liter, right? Out of an 850. But your average Japanese inline four is making like anywhere from 41 to 43 foot pounds of torque at the crank. This is making 70 foot pounds of torque. So yes, you could get, you know, a, 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 an older, like O3 Honda Superhawk, which will make technically, you know, uh, five, six foot pounds of torque more maybe or whatever. But this has an ace up its sleeve that makes it even better than Japanese one liter V twins. It only weighs 370 pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'll make a difference. (laughs) Exactly. So this is like having a Jixer 600, except you have almost 50% more torque Right? Right. You've got the same top speeds. Well, no, more, because this wasn't Gentleman's Agreement limited, right? 600s were all limited from the factory at 136. This will supposedly do 155. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have to keep in mind that, like, you know, back in, like, the 2000s, if you're looking at, like, the Superhawk, you know, everyone's saying, oh, 450 pounds, that's way too heavy, or, like, 400 pounds, for a one liter, that's ridiculous. It's so heavy. It doesn't turn well. It's like most of those one liter sport bikes back in the 2000s and in the 90s, unless they were like the top of the line R spec bikes, were kind of all pushing like 500 pounds. Right. Well, I think even my Superhawk was like 440, 450, something like that. I mean, this is really light for 2010 unbelievably light so um in the 848 evo which is sort of an updated version they did a few years later it gets the full-on brembo and olin's package with you know their brakes and suspension this is you know and this is real ducati i mean this is ducati at its most ducati this is a baby ducati that is up there with the best of what Ducati's ever had to offer for the styling, but also like for the features that people really associate with the brand now. So, you know, undertail exhaust, single-sided swing arm, you know, all the full body work, you know, it's full on. This is, this has got the crazy Desmo valves that, you know, cost like $1,800 to get adjusted every 6,000 miles. This is a high maintenance full credit, solidly in the Ducati club, Ducati, right? This is, this is pinkies out. I'm wearing full leathers every time I get on it. 
Ducati uncompromised. I mean, this might have one of the most dangerous tank angles like in a crash ever. You know, but you do not want to get into a collision on one of these. You will break your pelvis. Like your crotch just won't exist anymore. Right? You'll never have an erection ever again. Right. This is I mean, this has got like the holes cut out in the tail for air to pass through. This has got I, it's just got all the fucking awesome Ducati things. Right. There isn't even like a compartment under the seat with a subframe for like the battery. No. no. There's nowhere even for a fucking manual on this thing. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's fucking great. The, I, yeah, I don't think the the like I don't think the uh, I mean, it might, but on the the if you get like the two seat version, you know, how, like on a lot of six hundreds and one liter bikes, like the 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 little like pad for the passenger will come up and like the manuals under there. I don't think that it even removes on this one. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It is a it is a completely uncompromised bike. And here's the great part. Even right now, when used bike prices are especially stupid because of just the shortage of used bikes, this is one of the cheapest Ducatis out there. It's at its lowest value right now that it will ever be. You can pick up a good one for like six grand. Right mm. now, I don't know. Maybe that's low. Maybe that's high. But we're talking about a full on Ducati. We're talking about something faster than a Gixxer 600. We're, you know, we're talking about something that's going to sit in your garage. And if when people come by and see it parked in front of your house or like, just go like, oh, that's a really fucking serious motorcycle. That's like this guy's not playing around this. Ha, yeah, this has that sort of level of Ducati design to it that even non-motorcycle people will recognize this isn't ordinary, right? The- What's well, so in your face, like, with how, like, it's got Ferrari levels of go fuck yourself with just, like, how the... Uh, just with the way that like the tank and the subframe and the trellis frame and the bodywork all fit together and like how big and exposed like all the bolts holding the fra- holding the fairings on are it's right. just kind of like showing you all its warts cuz it doesn't give a fuck it's got a job to do and that's all it cares about yeah i but it's it's also it's such in a weird way it is even though it's temperamental and it's going to be expensive to maintain and all those things it's kind of worth it because if you think about just three four years before this the ducati uh super the ss um 900 was made was you know had another 50 cc's on this and was making like 30 horsepower less Right. Mm-hmm. But this is the full on crazy race motor. This is this is bells and whistles that, that I mean, that's why this is, you know, the eighteen hundred dollar valve adjustment or whatever. It's you're, you're, you're you've got something special. It's not just any other sport bike. And, and yeah, yeah, I 
I don't even know what else to say. Um, it's just a mean ass. It's just a mean ass thing. It's it's everything a Ducati should be, and for the first time, it was that in the baby version, right? Right. And and it, it has something on it that even you know the Panigale version, like the eight nine nine isn't really sought after or recognized in the way this one is, right? It was the 899 and then it went to like the 959 or something, I think is the, are the baby Panigales. And those are cool, don't get me wrong, but I'll take the 848 instead, thank you, because it's, it's you know, once you get past 100 horsepower, who really gives a shit? And when it only weighs 370 pounds, I mean, it, it's stupid power. It's stupid butt-kicking power. You're going to pull the throttle and it's going to throw you back. It's going to be really satisfying. I mean, how much you weigh is a bigger factor on, right. like, on, on, what, on what the acceleration, all that's going to be. Um, yeah, and it's a little bit of a time machine as well because even in 2010, it, it's kind of the beginning of the end of an era where – just n- almost nothing mattered except performance. And we're past that. Like, you know, I keep saying we're in a past, we're in a post horsepower world, right? Yeah. Like, if when you look at this bike, like, if you even just look at like the, uh, the brake fluid reservoir, it looks like it's held on with like a bracket that was part of like a piece of shelving. Like, it all looks just cobbled together. It's kind of like when you, um, well, to be fair, we're we're looking at one that's been set up for track. Okay. Um, the 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 one that you get, the eight four eight Evo that you get off the showroom floor is a little bit more polished, but not that much. Not that much. It's still a pretty lean, pretty lean looking bike. Um. I mean, the biggest difference between the one we were just looking at and just a straight up like 848 Evo is, you know, the headlights are a little bit more polished and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a super duper butt kicking awesome Nikki Hayden version of this for when Nikki Hayden was riding Ducati and GP. And that's, yeah, that's it right there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Like a year and a half ago, there was one of these for sale in Denver and it was like, it was like seven grand, and I I should have oh, I should have done everything I could to buy it, but um, yeah, the the whole bike is just is just awesome to me. It's like I said, it's everything a Ducati should be, you know. Yeah, like it's it's almost a strength that Ducatis are a pain in the ass to maintenance, right? Like on a on a Moto Guzzi, it's annoying, but it's like a you know, it's sort of like a Ferrari type product. You you just Part of the thing is like, yes, I own this. It's a hassle to own. Yes, but that's how serious I am about this, right? This bike is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's it's worth it and has value because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, and it's great too because it it's it's this sort of exotic rolling piece of art to a lot of people and then to people that know what it is, it also garners that respect. Oh, the Nikki Hayden version. So great. 
Um, yeah. Also, I think this is the Ducati that looks the best in the most number of colors. I think this looks great in the white. It looks great in the gray. It looks great in the red. It looks great in the yellow. It looks great in in everything. That I think they all look wonderful. That even the black, which is normally not a great Ducati look, I, I, I think this one's a winner in every single color. My favorite though is probably the one. That's not Italian flag. It's that, yeah, that one, the red, white, and black. It's pretty good. It wouldn't be my choice, but there it's is still a solid. There is another really great one that's mostly red and white with just a couple little green dashes through it. I, I, they made a lot of different versions of this. Um, yeah, so, you know, pick your flavor. What do you what do you want it to look like? That's really good too. There with the red frame on the black, mm, that's good. <sighs> yeah, th- I, this was a really popular model. They're 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 not super rare, which is probably one of the reasons that the price is pretty reasonable for it. Yeah. Oh, so this is dope. It's, yeah. It's 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 a little bit uh it's, it's sort the, of it's ki- the black subframe with the white tank and bodywork, but it's I'd got have a to black call, belly yeah. pan, red wheels, and and frame. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit killer whale, like. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Is it's a little like stormtrooper? It. It, yeah, with the yeah, the black subframe and the white tank and bodywork and the black belly pan, red frame. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of ways to set these up. I like it. I I would I would be looking to get one if if I'm in the in the market for a Ducati. I think this is where I'm going. And when you've heard me talk lately, my next bike needs to be a Harley Davidson or a Ducati because everyone needs to own a Ducati at some point, and every motorcyclist needs to own a Harley at some point. And I I think this would be the one for me. It'd be this or a nine nine nine. Yeah. And, and just a regular 999. I don't need an S or, or or whatever version. Just a regular 999 is fine. I would end up with a 749 just so that even the guys at the Ducati dealership will just... They're really? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You got the poor person's <laughs> super Ducati, right? Yeah. You there, get more chance- respect on a scrambler. <laughs> There's the, there's a chance that the, the the mechanic at the Ducati dealership doesn't recognize that the 749 is an actual Ducati. The, this is the kind of Ducati that you hold your head high when you when you go to MotoGP and you park it at Ducati Island. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get waved in super special, but you're you are in the club, right? You, you can park up next to the new V4 guys and everything with pride because you have a real Ducati. It's not a scrambler. It's, it's not, not a, a hyper motard. It's, it's not, not a monster. Right. The, you know, and the, I mean, the monsters is a, the monster is a real Ducati just because of so what it means to the brand, but it's, but it's not this level, right? Yeah. It's, it's or weird shit like the Diavol. Like this is what Ducati does best. 
Yeah, you've tattooed yourself by getting the monster, but you haven't branded yourself. <laughs> yeah. You haven't adequately suffered. You know, you're kind of, you're you're in the club, but you're not in the club. Yeah, I mean, this might not be like a uh, you know, in terms of uh, your bed and bath, but you're not beyond just it, yet. Yeah, in terms of gang loyalty, this may not be like you know the full on like face tattoo, but it's at least the teardrop, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. This this is good. it's strong. It's really strong. So um, yeah, eight four eight Evo. It's weirdly for what it is. It's a good value. It's awesome performance in the context of its class. It's significant because it made the smaller Ducatis cool. It's so it's so stylish. It will it will make itself known. It's 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 part of that Ducati styling that's going to be timeless, right? Like if you look at a two thousand and ten you know Gixxer six hundred, it's already starting to look a little dated. Right. Like, you know, those 2010 like R6s with the super wide front fairing are starting to look a little dated. I mean, even though I love them, this is timeless. This is that level of Italian design that's worth the extra money because it's always going to look cool. Yeah. All right. Let's put a little bit of a break in here and then we're going to come back with the Moto Fads. Let's do the thing. All right, and we're back. I've made a cup of tea, and we are going to get into these motorcycle fads. Oh, where should we start? We have like 20 of these things. <laughs> um, okay, let's start with the one that sparked the whole list extended swing arms i don't know why this really became a thing like in it this so uh, extended swing arms really is a sport bike fad or was a sport bike fad i i haven't seen this in the wild for a few years now i've seen craigslist ads of bikes with extended swing arms but I don't believe anyone's buying them. <laughs> and if they are buying them, they're putting normal swing arms back on them pronto. I've seen some joke ones with people who have just put extended swing arms on Groms just for shits and giggles. Oh yeah, but that's like that's like like the stretch ruckus, you know. Yeah. And obviously it's a legitimate thing in drag racing. But, like, out in the wild, people putting extended swing arms on their bikes as a fashion statement. That was really kind of an early 2000s thing, and it's now really starting to die out. I think it was it became a thing because you couldn't put wavy plastic body kits on these bikes, right? I think it appealed to the same kind of guy who would have a Honda Civic and spend like $4,000 on plastic skirting to go around the whole thing. Yeah. I, I think the look appeals to the same person. And because you can't, there's no like bodywork kit to sort of street race 
your bike, you would put the swing arm on and then you would just say to people, oh, well, the bike doesn't wheelie when you do this. So you're getting more power to the ground. And that's how you just explain it, except you should be able to with, you know, clutch and throttle control, make the bike launch without wheeling and still get max power. Uh, um, uh, well, yeah. no, it look, nobody who does this on their registered motorcycle actually does any quarter miles on their bike. I guess yeah, it's not max power, it's not max acceleration. You 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 are going to be able to do it a bit better. But yeah, like to the 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 0 to 60 is we're already talking like sub 3 seconds on a lot of these bikes. So what's competing with that in the real world? And I don't believe any of these assholes were ever going to drag races. No. I think they wanted to look like should an impromptu drag race just break out somewhere? They were just ready for it. I think that's what we were meant to believe. Like, hey, if it throws down, I'm ready. Let's go for pinks. I mean, let's not go for pinks. But like, you know, if it just happens, I'm ready. Or maybe they're expecting some sort of scene like out of Chain Reaction where they're Keanu Reeves and they need to outrun a hydrogen bomb. I don't know. We need to visit that motorcycle scene. (laughs) (laughs) I need to watch that again. That's got to be up there with the, the BMW handcuff chase scene in Die Another Day. We need to do a whole episode on motorcycle chase scenes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, oh, quick tangent. Um, I did I tell you about this? We I think our next movie commentary needs to be Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. You did. Yeah. Don Johnson and um oh, what's his name? It's another insane person. Uh oh my gosh, he was in the wrestler. Um O'Rourke? O'Rourke? Or... Whatever. Crazy guy. Okay. Doesn't matter. Let's... Okay. Here's another embarrassing motorcycle fad. This is still a little bit of a thing, but I think it's... I haven't seen it nearly in the numbers that I was seeing it about two to three years ago. Get back whips. Yeah. How embarrassing a look is this now? There were a like the the frequency of get back whips on Colfax Avenue was like 30% 3 years ago. Oh, I know. And I the like the yeah, the oh, there was a whole thing people were getting them like custom braided and special colors with designs in them and shit like husbands and wives getting matching get back whips. And you know, the longer the whip, the more pussy the person riding the bike, like invariably (laughs) I, I never really understood how they were supposed to work, like how it would be some sort of effective weapon against anyone. So so the, the lore 
is because this is not a real thing. This yeah, totally- that's the other thing too. They were supposed to be some sort of callback to some sort of classic motorcycle thing, but the classic motorcycle thing never existed. Right. Yeah, so the 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 lore here, the mythology is that in the end of the get back whip, you would have the braid tied around a ball bearing. And you would use that to swing and like smash a mirror, a smash a window of any car that got too close or pissed you off or got in your way or cut you off, anything like that. It would just be a tool to break a window, which is dumb because there's a much more convenient and easier solution to this, which is ninja rocks. Oh yeah. Well, I guess that we should explain that for any person who doesn't know, it turns out if you just take a spark plug, like a $5 spark plug, and you just take a hammer to the ceramic, the ceramic yeah. then it it shatters extremely sharp and hard to the point where you could take like a half gram piece of ceramic and just throw it at a side window on a car and it'll just completely shatter it. I put like a gun would be easier. A hammer would be easy. It would be easier to like hold a hammer in a bag and like take it out and like it, because you've got this thing flopping around off your handlebar and you've got to like get it and then like swing it around and then but and you have to be at the same time doing the same speed as the car so you're one-handed grabbing this thing holding your throttle steady shifting your weight as you swing this thing around and then aim it and like it's just impractical it's a stupid idea that anyone would be able to pull this off Right, and invariably, like because now it's just this, this aesthetic thing, like they ended up getting longer and longer to the point where the whips were essentially like two inches off the ground while the bike was riding along. Yeah, uh, this Stupid. is possibly the dumbest fact. This is dumber than extended swing arms. Oh, it's super dumb. Yeah. Well, plus the idea that you're supposedly sending this message to the entire world of like, hey, you better watch out. I'm a liability to break the glass on your car just in normal traffic. I'm an unstable asshole. Yeah. As you leave the corporate office park. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or your weird suburban neighborhood. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, it, that is that is not a great look anymore. Um, okay, I want to I want to kind of go like, be switching back and forth between like uh, different styles of bikes and fads here. So um, let's go back to sport bikes and let's talk about fuzzy bikes for a moment. This was before sort of both our times. I remember this being a thing a little bit more than you, especially because this was still a thing around the time we moved to Japan. And this was a strong thing in Japan around like the mid 90s, but also big in the States. So there was a thing in the 90s of people taking their fully fared sport bikes and covering them in fuzzy material. Uh, 
it seems like a colossal pain in the ass to go through to completely ruin the fairing and aesthetic of your sport bike. But as I pointed out, people used to be a lot craftier, you know? Uh, people used to go through the trouble of building their own camper shells for their trucks out of plywood, for example, right? I, people would just do things like this. People would just go to a fabric store and find some woolly material and just glue it and cut it out to shape all over their sport bike because I, that's just the look they needed to have. Um I think it had something to do with the fact that sport bikes were just changing so radically in shape around that time that they thought, well, fuck it. Let's just really piss off all the traditionalists and let's make it fuzzy carpeted all over as well. Yeah, I looked at some pictures of them and it just reminds me of the dog van from dumb and dumber yeah that's yeah 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 that's the effect absolutely and it's always obviously a home job because there's no way to do it otherwise (laughs) like 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 like, um uh, who who's the big um who's the big uh custom guy like jesse james wasn't doing this for people right or um or uh, what's who's the other one? Um, oh my gosh, it's always a uh, Roland Sands, right? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. doing this for people. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy down the block is like sheepishly walking into Joanne Fabrics in 1996, being like, <laughs> "What have you got that's like shag and cheetah print?" <laughs> <laughs> i i feel like if this might be like a weird viable option to bring back like if you like if like if someone offered me a you know fifty thousand mile uh mechanically perfect but cosmetically super ugly kawasaki concourse i might be tempted to do this yeah i because why not right if they're like hey 800 bucks it runs but it's really ugly like there's like there's holes in the fairing i'd be like well i mean let's let's go see what joanne fabrics has in cheetah <laughs> see what happens <laughs> okay um all right let's let's move back here um Ooh, uh, ooh, 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 ooh. Let's talk about novelty helmets. What have you got to say about novelty helmets? This this was really big in like 2018. Uh, you know, we had things like, you know, we had the Iron Man helmet, especially with the. Um, yeah, that was sadly a bestseller. With like you know, um, with with the visor, with the uh, with like the grid pattern, like stippling on it to make yeah. it so you could see through it, but you had the whole complete helmet look. Like it didn't look like you had a visor; it looked like the full mask. Mm-hmm. Spider Man was a big one as well. Oh, and Venom, yeah, and Venom. 
uh there was like a rogue one style yeah the star wars the blaster star- thing yeah or, or the x-wing pilot yep helmet yeah, the X- yep uh what was the other big one there oh. were a lot of captain america helmets there was captain america there was the lego man helmet <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of novelty helmets but like not just novelty in the design but in the shape like severely compromised shapes Oh, there was. Uh, there was a Master Chief helmet as well. <laughs> Master Chief! <laughs> Which looked like complete... It was the straight-up... Con- like, I'm not even sure that it was a motorcycle helmet. I think a lot of people were just buying cosplay helmets and wearing them as motorcycle helmets. Oh, yes. Well, there was also, like, a super fucking sketchy... Um, the most egregious example of novelty like cosplay motorcycle helmets that aren't legit helmets was the uh the predator helmets <laughs> that's right i read that one too <laughs> people wore that shit and you look at it, it's like not a motorcycle helmet so i'm gonna throw a couple other things into this category as well the uh homemade cat ears was a look for a minute there and uh the batman helmet was is in this category as well and um also i i'm I'm, gonna let's uh let's uh let's throw the cruiser guys in on this um this is around like until a few years ago but this is definitely a dead look now i haven't seen this for a long time the german helmet Oh yeah, the the this was a, helmet. This was a questionable look for decades. What the fuck? So I think there's a reason for this because, well, there were dudes that came back from World War II and rode with them like trophies. Yes, but unless you're 93. You have no business <laughs> wearing one of these helmets. Yes. Unless you can verify that this is a legit. It's like if you go into your, you know, like it's like when your grandfather dies and you go in the attic and you have to sort through all his stuff. Like. Yeah. And you like find a plate with a swastika on it. But it's find, just something yeah. he took from somewhere. Or if you find and, yeah. a Nazi flag, it's like. Well, there's, okay, there's like, context okay. here. This was like, a thing. This yeah. was a trophy. This is okay. Right. But like, if your dad dies today and he's like 65 and you find a swastika in the attic, you're going to be like, okay, there yeah. are some things I yeah. didn't know. So, mom, I don't feel I got the full story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, I don't. I don't think there's like anything really documenting this, but that was that helmet choice was really for um is kind of it was kind of a social marker of actually being anti-helmet cuz that was like the most bullshit minimalist helmet that you could buy that would passably appear to be DOT that you I mean, could the, wear the world was kind of anti-helmet till like late 70s early 80s and even then i mean eh, eh. no but this was like this is more like a helmet that this is like the the most comfortable minimalist like least helmet you can wear in a state where you are legally required to wear a helmet 
Yeah, I, I mean, think- it's also a marker of just being being an outlaw and being outsider of society. I'm going to wear yeah. this obvious, you know, thing. But w- when you're riding an O3 Sportster, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not I don't I don't understand this choice. This is just a poor choice. Yeah, I'm not defending it. I'm just trying to rationalize there what's have going been on. American motorcyclists in history that this made some sort of weird sense for. It's been a long time. Yeah. and this was this was a stylistic choice that many people, just went with for who knows what reason and um and it's 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 the time to put this to bed has has, has already come so yeah I, I i haven't seen it for a while you know and there we go okay um what else have we got i i don't know that this one is completely dead but let's um well, well, while we're on the while we're on the subject of helmets, we need to talk about glue on mohawks and Muppet full pullovers. <laughs> now, this was definitely hardcore in the fad category, and I'm not afraid to say that I still support this. I think it's fun. I think it's great. But I think there was a time that people bought a helmet, and then. They put the the glue on mohawk stripe on it, and they thought people are gonna think I'm so fucking cool with this. And occasionally, someone might still be doing this, but it's not with the idea that they think they're going to look cool, <laughs> right? And I think there was a time with the Muppet pullover that they thought people are gonna think this is really clever. You know, I I would totally do this on a regular basis, but I don't I would never do it. I would never be committed to it to the idea of permanently gluing a mohawk onto my helmet. But if it was just an option just every now and then, like it's just fun. It is fun. Right, but it's no longer cool. Oh, absolutely not. No. This is this is Clearly dork territory. Yeah, I think this really hit its uh really hit its apex in a time before do you remember that time before people were wearing helmets to go skiing and they were wearing like those ski hats that had the the fake crazy orange hair coming out the top of them? Yeah. Yeah, this is hand in hand with that, right? <laughs> in terms of like people thinking it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very interesting time. Or do you remember like uh, in the late 90s um uh when you went skiing it was really cool for like a couple years to just have ridiculously long stocking caps? <laughs> We were on that train. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had like a <laughs> six-foot one. It was crazy. It may not have been six-foot, but it was at least like three or four. I mean, it went, it went down like past my ass. This fucking, like I was some sort of like Ebenezer Scrooge on acid. <laughs> <laughs> that was a solid fashion statement. That was great. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, moving on. We've got so many of these to get through. I actually, I just, I'm, I'm just like getting through this list here just randomly. I'm just taking them off so I don't repeat. Okay, um, okay, Swigs, talk to us about Moto Road Rage videos. Okay, so ooh, where to start? Yeah, I guess this was something that we kind of had to get through uh similar to you know london coping with opium dens you know (laughs) this this was just like a natural evolution that just sort of had to happen where we had to adapt and address it because this isn't really a motorcycling thing so much as an offshoot of a GoPro thing. Well, also, th- I feel like this started about four years ago and it ended about two years ago, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And it was this moment where um, identity politics was kind of really taking a super stronghold and for a short moment motorcyclists deci- or some motorcyclists oh, decided, decided they yeah. needed to be an oppressed group and it really didn't take much hold but wow were there a lot of videos made about how motorcycles are oppressed by car drivers <laughs> yeah it well, it was the perfect storm of uh, of that idea plus um just a lot of really irresponsible people really willing to put up incriminating evidence onto youtube the- <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> although there is one subcategory of this video that i'm still a huge fan of which is teenagers riding dirt bikes through suburban areas or wooded areas that attach to suburban areas and then evading the, the police yeah. and angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can watch those for, I haven't done it for a long time but I could watch those forever <laughs> but yeah I've seen way too many videos of like rednecks jumping out of trucks at stoplights like i don't care i don't care like you know what that's you know that's never happened to me and i ride a lot like at a certain point like if you're a motorcyclist accruing this many road rage videos like you're the variable here right yeah Not that a car driver has never gotten angry with me, but not for anything worth filming. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. I've never had anybody step out of their car. Yeah, I think at a certain point, these videos just started ringing really false to people. And that was kind of the end of it. I'm sure there's people still making them, but there were like whole channels devoted to this. Yeah, of one guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's but, my weekly confrontation. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the, yeah. And then, the, but there were also channels that were like comp, like best of compilations from different channels too, where people would send in their videos. And oh, it was so. <laughs> it was great watching for a little bit there, but. 
It was probably the same amount of a meat. It was as I also it was a have bit to point out, live, but it was about the same amount of enjoyment, and it was it followed the same curve over a longer period of like me watching Tiger King. We're like first two episodes. This is gold. This is amazing, and then you realize everybody in this is mentally ill and has problems and this is really tragic and i feel guilty now like i think everybody kind of figured that out at a certain point yeah i I also i think it's also worth pointing out that there is a maybe not specific but at least a very not more more specific than general type of writer that typically made these videos. And I, I will say it hasn't come up for a while, but this is a lot of what I, these videos typified a lot of what I like to call R6 behavior. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> there was some jixerisms thrown in there as well. For sure. <laughs> and, and some CBR souls too. Like everyone's guilty, but typically there were a lot of 600 displacement bikes in these videos to say the least. Yes. Also, I came up with CBR soul on the fly there. Really proud of that. (laughs) Okay. So, um, moving on. We're not even halfway through this fucking list. Uh, Oh, this is a good one. The aftermarket suicide shift kit. Let me get another beer real quick. And <laughs> you just introduce time. what the time. I haven't seen this for a long time. This is this has probably been dead since the early 2000s. I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist anymore, but as a fashion statement, as a fad, this is dead. But there was. Ooh, I mean, when I was a kid, especially, I remember seeing a lot of this in Indiana. Th- this is okay. So, if you don't know what suicide shift is, for I for reasons really passing a lot of understanding for me, there were motorcycles made where instead of a foot shift, there was just a lever on the side of your gas tank, and. Either the clutch was attached to that or you would press in a clutch with your foot and then change the gear with your hand. So you would have to take one hand off the handlebars. Like the naughty bike had this. Some like uh, pre-war era Harleys had this. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of Harley douchebags that still think this is the fucking coolest thing ever. And well, here's the people thing. were buying aftermarket kits to convert their foot shift Harley Davidsons. It's always a Harley Davidson as well, by the way. It's it's never it's never been done to anything else. And so they convert are, them. There to, are a rare, yeah. there's a rare group of people who managed to survive to adulthood, who have not gained the uh, the perception of object permanence. And if every control is not within their field of view, it doesn't exist. 
That's the only that's the only reasonable explanation I can come up with. Well, because in every way, it's more complicated, less functional, and more dangerous. Yes, absolutely. But there's there is to a certain number of people this idea that um well look what uh look what a hassle it is to control this rolling contraption. I'm so manly. Right? This is totally an insecurity thing. This is oh, I don't have uh, a pre-war Harley Davidson. Therefore, in some way, I am less legit than the than the 1940s, 50s bikers that I think were the real guys back when yeah. America was great or some bullshit. Right? You want you want to say to everybody, "Hey, look at me! I'm living life on hard mode." Yeah, like look at this fake credibility I slapped on the side of my bike. Yeah. And anyone that knows anything looks at this and goes, "What a fucking stupid mod." But like you couldn't have taken that money and bought a helmet instead. This is a mod that um pairs very nicely with ape hangers with having no mirrors and not wearing any safety gear of any kind whatsoever uh this is also something that you would see in conjunction with just removing your front brake for no reason yeah uh yeah I, just this idea that like, oh, I can manage this rolling disaster and nobody else because I'm so manly. <laughs> I, what an insane idea. I, I, I don't get it. Um, I don't get it. But it's a thing. You can still buy these fucking kits. I don't know. Ooh, okay. Whew. All right. Let's let's pick on uh, Japanese bikes again, because they're the main culprits of this next one. This was a big thing in, I'm going to say, the late 70s is when this started, and the 80s was really the heyday. The king-queen riser seat. Yeah. I mean, Harley's done this enough as well, but d not on the older ones. It's kind of a more modern thing with not, Harley's. Not in the way that, like, some horrible GL-1000 Goldwings have it. Not in the way. And especially the ones, like, the King-Queen Riser by itself is not a great look. But the ones that sort of fan out in the butt shape. Yeah. What is that? Well, there's two aspects of this because one is the the stock seat invariably almost 99.9% .9 of the time the stock seat looks better. Oh, yes. Secondly, how often if you actually buy a king and queen seat, how often do you ride two up? 
Yeah, because this only looks correct if you've got both people on the bike. Otherwise, it's like, what is this butt shape behind the rider, like, sticking out? Yeah, that, plus, all of these bikes were designed with the original saddle shape in mind. So, when you're riding the bike alone, which will still be the majority of the time that you're riding, your riding position is compromised. Yeah, you're pushed forward. Yeah, that's what I was about to get uh, get to as well. It's an inferior seat because it locks you into one specific spot. And we all know, any of us that have ridden any distance of consequence whatsoever, is that it's really only made manageable by your ability to scoot forwards and backwards and just adjust how you're sitting a little bit. Yeah, if you're doing any kind of decent miles, like... Everyone's got two or three positions that they can go to. Yeah. And for me, that's even like on, on the Norge, it's it's getting up and actually sitting on the back passenger seat <laughs> for bits of time. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I, there's no way I could ride my Goldwing any significant distance with the seat on it that I bought the bike with. Like that, that had to go. The first thing oh, I did well, was buy an original, legit flat seat for it. And yeah, because the uh, the first time we went out on it, um, we took the Superhawk and and the Goldwing, uh, yeah. and I got on the bike, and it was like, you ordered that seat, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right away. I was like, I can see how this bike would be excellent, but right now. This is this is compromised. This is seriously compromised. This I, is clearly yeah. not the original vision. Well, I mean that seat transformed the bike in terms of in terms of the aesthetic and the comfort. It was an improvement in every direction. Now, I blame this not so much on the 80s because the 80s was a decade where apparently everything was very high fashion and zero fashion at the same time. This, like, this is the, this is a legit boomer accusation. This is the boomer. Well, this is a yes, boomer thing. Yes, but I I blame this phenomenon on the seventies more than the eighties. Even though this is a fashion trend in motorcycles, mostly from the eighties. Now, obviously, I was not alive in the seventies, but I have seen enough evidence of weird bullshit from the seventies of like fake. Uh, ergonomic design, right? So take things like earth shoes, right? Do you know what earth shoes are? No. Okay, so earth shoes <laughs> was this insane idea. Someone was watching people walk on the beach, and they went, look, when you walk on the beach, like your heel digs in more than your toes, so they created these shoes that sloped up. So your toes were higher than your heels when you walked. And this was supposed to have some sort of like natural, like walking motion thing to it. It's fake ergonomics, right? Yeah, And like granola is a similar thing. They're like, oh, it's all these like natural grain things. It turns out granola is like one of the worst things you could possibly eat. Like, like, like nutrition wise, it's a fucking disaster. And then, um, 
just think about all the weird like 70s furniture and stuff like it had to just suggest some sort of ergonomic novelty and people just went with it without any backing up of the science or whatever so i think these king queen riser seats sort of grew out of this idea that like oh it looks like it should be more comfortable but in practice it's a disaster yeah. yeah. And, and this, this moves into other things too, like like the Dodge Charger. Like the guy that designed it was supposedly this huge fan of aerodynamics. But are you sure about that? Yeah, but but yeah, but the front scoop, all it does is just catch air, right? <laughs> like it, it it just suggested some idea that this is an advanced design without anything to back it up. And the King Queen riser seat is clear because there's a very good reason that no bike since like 1987 has come this way, right? Yeah, it's 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 kind of like. It's a suggestion of like a fad that just like kind of just goes with the wind in whatever direction it's pulling. It's like, are eggs good or bad for you this year? Like, let's roll a dice. Right. Let's flip a coin. You know? It's like, <laughs> uh, I, does I have key, to say does the tea, King Queen coffee, riser yeah. seat. This, like, is, this, is, this is a year where it's like, does wine cause or cure cancer? Yeah, you know, <laughs> change my mind <laughs> or make it up in the beginning. Like, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, of all these things, like the extended swing arm, the get back whips, the the helmet mods, like this is still one of the most questionable looks in all of motorcycle. Like this is the most dad jeans. This is the this is. I, this is something I wouldn't that, say it's questionable. It's objectively horrible to look at. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it's only just questionable the bike. Where, it's only questionable whether it's actually more comfortable or not. Which I don't I've, think there's I, even a debate there. <laughs> I really don't. Okay. <laughs> there's still some more that we got to get to. Okay. <coughs> All right, so so that was kind of something mean to Japanese, but because again, it was something that happened on Gold Wings. This happened on like metric cruisers. This had you know this most CBs, a lot of yeah. CB Honda CBs. Yeah, it was it was kind of less of a thing on Harleys. Well, it was a big um, thing on GSs as well. Yeah. So uh, let's let's this is this is this one's kind of um, here's one aimed pretty much straight at cruisers. This again, this does still exist, but no one is currently getting this done. I think this is something that's a bit of a past. Expensive aftermarket paint jobs, specifically in the style of flames, nude women, and dragons. These uh, plenty of these bikes from the 70s, 80s, 90s do exist, but they are becoming rarer and rarer birds to be seen in the wild. I think a lot of them have been covered up. A lot of them have been resprayed, replaced with other tanks. And my personal favorite, though, isn't the nude girls, isn't the dragons, which is where I think a lot of people would think I would gravitate to. 
My personal favorite is, and I think this was more late 90s, not just the flames, the hyper-realistic flames. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is something you can only see at Sturgis anymore, right? Like, people were paying $10,000 in the late 90s for guys to spray their bike in hyper-realistic flames across the whole thing. Okay, so here here's something that would be totally kind of in this theme, but actually subverting it in a great way. What if instead of a nude girl on the tank, it was Petunia from Pete and Pete? Oh, I'm sold. Of course. I I would put that on my 848 Ducati Evo even. Like, <laughs> but... But... <laughs> it, it's just such a curious idea today to be like oh i'm gonna have a motorcycle and whatever i'm just gonna put this piece of nudity on it and just ride that around in public right I, not that i'm against it i just think that well, in, in, in fairness, today's like in a, fairness afraid to offend was... people sort of pc culture that really doesn't fly as easily as it used to. Well, I would actually say that today it's it's admirably transgressive. Okay, yeah. I, I'm I, kind of on board with it from that angle. Now, the dragon thing is just sort of a mystery to me. How, how uh, motorcycle tanks adorned with, like, weird like Chinese dragons became a super cool thing with like suburban rednecks is totally beyond me. And this is, this, this also was probably at its height. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time in the nineties that, um, rayon shirts with embroidered dragons on them were super duper popular with white trash. Yeah. Yeah. And and these were close relatives of bowling shirt guy. Like just bowling shirt everywhere guy. Like dude that wears bowling shirts to funerals. Right? Like (laughs) (laughs) like, dude that wore bowling shirts to funerals had a dragon painted on his gas tank. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that connects with the flames too. A lot of a lot of flamed bowling shirts went with the uh, the sort of more nineteen fifties flames on on the fenders of the of the bikes and the gas tanks too. Um, you know, pinstripes are still a thing and acceptable and not all that weird or whatever. But I really haven't seen the flames for a while. You know, you still see skulls, but the. I feel like the flames have have taken a back seat somehow. Well, unless you're going with the decal, like the flames are actually a legitimately hard thing to do. Like that actually costs some money. Well, the realistic ones were, and that is such a fucking, like there were people that had entire careers based off the fact that they could just do this one thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> we got to keep moving. There's still more of these fucking things. Um, 
Okay, uh, let's get to let's let's just blast through some more of these um, classic pattern tires or vintage pattern tires. Yeah, I'm I blame Bike Exif and Reddit for this for basically fake vintage tires. Like yes, like well, how can we how can we make a tire that has modern rubber is you know we'll 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 use the the modern rubber compounds we'll make sure it's resistant to puncture because of the rubber it's made of but how can we make sure it's really shitty at siping water like how can we increase the risk of hydroplaning let's dig up tread patterns from the 1960s yeah what's the worst the zigzag no, just the pure straight the straight lines. The straight lines yeah. is the worst. Well, I don't know. The zigzag is so obviously like I spent more money on an inferior tire. No, look, the kind of per. Like, oh, so I'm getting upset. <laughs> the kind of person who thinks that like they can't ride. I understand that it. And this is kind of where the problem starts, is that somebody thinks, well, I've done this huge, I've put a thousand hours in this crazy classic bike build, which also doesn't look classic at all because none of the characteristics you've gone for match any one particular era. It's a total Frankenstein of the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. But you've said, you thought, well, I'm just doing this as as a as a fashion statement this bike will never be ridden so let's just go put some old classic pattern style tires on it and then it goes up on bike xf it gets reposted on reddit and facebook everyone says oh what a cool classic styled bike and everyone thinks oh, i want that and they fuck up a cb350 and put these dumb tires that you got sponsored for on them and then they go and ride them out and really if you ever saw a really well done custom cafe racer out in the wild you would not give two shits about the tires well one because it's moving so you can't see the tread pattern and two if it was parked you would realize that oh, this person probably doesn't want to die. So they have real tires on. Right. <laughs> but if you were the sort of dickhead who gave a shit about seeing a classically, uh, a classic custom, you know, a custom classically styled bike out on out in the wild, you have to realize this is the equivalent of, like, Disney's policy on... Disney World, uh, you know, costumed employees. Oh, yeah. Never break character. Never, Never break yeah. character. Cinderella cannot be caught smoking behind the carousel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you have to realize that that's the world you're putting yourself in. That's That's where you're going if you ever gave a shit about this. Yeah, well, uh, well, the other thing too is like, what kind of colossal asshole sees this this classic bike build or or whatever 
or they or they're coming across even just something like a new Bonneville and they they walk by it and they're like mm. you Are know those I Pirelli would GTs? yeah I would approve of this motorcycle but ugh those tires ruined the whole thing for me like what kind of crazy like I don't want to hang out with that guy right <laughs> no <laughs> I cannot hang with that guy okay let's keep moving um uh, okay, let, um, so that was um, let, let, okay. Let, uh, in, in a similar vein, let's talk about homebrew street fighter and cafe racer guys. Mm-hmm. So you know we, we, uh, we we've discussed on this show the the origins of the street fighter, and that was you know in a time when everyone had to have a super sport or leader bike, plenty of people were crashing their bikes but you know they needed to rejoin the scene you know they just have a little low side and scratch up the plastics and break some plastics and it became a a fashion to take your bike and not redo the plastics just start ripping things off and get an aftermarket uh get aftermarket handlebars and headlight and turn signals and whatever and just sort of own it and the bikes became known as street fighters but then there became a time that this sort of instead of something just simply born of necessity this became a style that people were just intentionally going for just like oh I need a custom bike. I will buy a crashed, a crash super sport, and I'm just gonna street fighter it and just pretend I'm a bike builder. And for like a couple, for a short moment in time, people went along with this, and then then the emperor had no clothes. Yeah, I mean, really. It, the whole concept as it became corporatized was essentially about as cool as Street Fighter the movie. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> but <laughs> I do too. But cool it no, is not. No. <laughs> it's probably more akin to the the um the Street Fighter the movie video game. Actually, it's probably not as cool as Street Fighter. It's maybe a little closer to Double Dragon. Double Dragon's rad as well. Anyway, uh, not the movie. Oh, I forgot there was a Double Dragon movie. Yeah, that was really bad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Quick fun fact. Like, do you know what the, uh, the plot of Double Dragon, the game, is? I don't know what the game is. At the end of the game, the two brothers double team the chick that you're saving. Oh, really? Yeah, it's fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) I think maybe one of them kills her out of jealousy or the situation. It's like a really weird ending cutscene, like for anyone that's beaten Double Dragon. Like, it's fucking weird. I've got like eight tangents I could go on. I I think we need to keep uh, moving. It's anyway, um, so 
something yeah it's so i can't remember exactly something really fucking disturbing happens at the end of that game uh so uh so uh homebrew cafe racer guy right this is inspired by bike exif but uh but it, so the reason it comes about was totally different than the street fighter but the dynamics the same so if like if like your dad or grandfather or something handed down to you you know, some motorcycle that had been sitting in the barn forever and you needed to fix up this old 70s bike and get it going and you did some some cosmetic changes to it along the way. Hey, awesome. But as a choice to buy a perfectly good or close to perfectly good 60s or 70s motorcycle and just immediately start chopping it up before you even get the thing running was this thing people were doing with no mechanical experience, with no conscience or any, or even tools to begin the job. They would just go to Harbor freight and buy an angle grinder and just start go. Well, someone said you have to detab the frame so here we go, right? Well, and also, after about, I don't know, two and a half years, plenty of people were not able to keep up the facade that there was any progress being made on these projects. Yes. Much like Bernie Madoff eventually got caught in his Ponzi scheme. A lot of people got caught out as the frauds they were because it turns out 11 years of building your dream cafe racer eventually it all just yeah and for a project that mostly involves deleting parts like why was it so difficult for so many people well the other angle on this is you know this is kind of a little bit of a fad and a little bit of a story that a lot of people found very cool because we only you know everything that we've done from you know 1995 onwards is essentially captured digitally and will live on forever yeah it, there's it gets a little bit spotty but you know 2004 onwards the world has been digitally immortalized yes and we get to see all of it you know all the good and all the bad before that, everybody else just sees all the good, all the trendy, all the best highlights. Everyone, you know, every every person who says like, oh, music was so much better in the 80s or in the 70s. It was so much cooler. I, I'm, I'm an old soul. Fuck off. Yeah. No, you're seeing the best of the decade through rose-tinted glasses because that's all that was recorded. We just kept the best and filtered out all all of the hot garbage and people don't realize that there was yeah like the 90s are starting to come back and people are like oh yeah jordans and all this stuff and i'm like yeah you don't remember paper jackets neoprene <laughs> tank tops <laughs> wearing wetsuits in public <laughs> for no reason body glove <laughs> like, <laughs> But like that band in living color, like their look was just, they wore wetsuits. I'm pretty sure. 
But you, but everybody also doesn't have a concept of what normal was for that time, and also no, it was just living color. Not in living yeah. color was the show. Anyway, but, sorry. And, yeah. So nobody has this concept of like what normal was for the time. Nobody has a concept of what was actually you know, popular amongst most people, and. There's a history to just those bikes stock as they were because there is always a history to the stock bikes because that's what the most people experienced. But somehow we took this tiny sliver of a little bit of subculture and decided that was the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which is insane. Yeah, it's just not true. It's just not an accurate picture of what motorcycling was in those times and places. It's sort of like the reverse of uh, Demolition Man and, you know, thinking about, like, Taco Bell winning the franchise wars. Yeah. Like, if you imagined that the only fast food in the 90s was Taco Bell, like, and that was your perception of the 90s, that's an insane idea. But that's kind of what you're doing to the 70s. Oh, yeah. Well, the other crazy thing is there's this idea that there are these old guys hanging around who are the real deal. And some people must just bow down to that and try to emulate it. And that these people are the fountains of knowledge. And if you go by like the ACE cafe in London, there's a couple old farts just still hanging around there who, you know, were at the heart of the scene back in the day. Like, how fucking sad and tragic is that? Is it that this dude is now like 83 years old, still living out his dream 17-year-old <laughs> life? Yeah. Like, how fucking sad is that? Like, oh man, there's this dude that rides an old panhead that's down at this bar every week, and he was the real deal, man. Like, he hasn't matured a single day since he was 22. Like, fuck that guy, right? Like, why is he still doing the exact same thing? Probably because he was abusive to his wife and kids in the 70s and has just been in arrested development ever since. Yeah, it yeah, it's like um you know the guy you thought was cool at the McDonald's drive-through when you were just out of high school about to go to right. college. Is he cool 40 years later in the same job? Yeah, Matthew no. McConaughey is really cool in that scene, you know, where he's like these high school girls and, uh, you know, they say the same age. Like in that moment for that scene. But if you just pause on that concept for six more seconds, you're like that's the creepy old guy in every town like that that's what that's how that story ends that's not great yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um there's still some more on this list but i'd say let's just get on to the uh the honorable mentions and then be done with this okay so um there's there's a few of these motorcycle trends that are not dead yet but they're on their way out okay so these are our predictions of things that could be on this list in another year or two right so no slash absolute minimal mirrors on your motorcycle i incorporate bar end mirrors on this the upside down mirrors on this just no mirrors at all 
a weird helmet attachments, rear view helmet cameras, any way to get around the idea that somehow mirrors are this horrible thing on your motorcycle that totally fuck up the profile, even though mirrors have been a thing on motorcycles since like the fucking beginning of motorcycles. How does it ruin the profile of the bike when it is the profile of the bike? But whatever. Yeah. Well, you actually said this earlier. <laughs> it's like, you know what? This person would look a lot more attractive if they just didn't have any ears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, that is part of the bike. That is the standard model. <laughs> the removal of the mirrors is an aberration, which makes sense in certain contexts, but you realize you have to realize that if you think that removing it is a more fashionable thing, that you're emulating something other than what you have. Right. It and oddly it's the inverse of fake tits. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. It's not. Yeah, what's wrong with fake tits? No, I was going the other way. I, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm coming out in support of fake tits. There's nothing wrong with fake tits. Well, fake tits are fine, but you're. But Everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, until you get rear ended because you can't see anyone behind you. I think there's an upside to fake tits and rear ending. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Um, we both aged like 20 years and 10 seconds. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that, that was, that was a Cleveland Moto moment, wasn't it? Um, all right. Uh, so I wrote down Ram mounts for this other one, but I'm just going to include like just any weird handlebar attachments, like weird aftermarket handlebar attachments, whether it's Garmin's and Tom, Tom goes Ram mounts, weird other devices like the strange handlebar um cena remote control just weird handlebar attachments like all this is becoming more and more incorporated into the bike but there's also people that just seem to think like if i just had this one more other convenience like cup holders are in this as well like yeah, I feel like we're kind of starting to turn a corner here where right. everyone's realizing... But this is still prevalent. Well, I mean, it is prevalent in certain... And actually, you know, the Goldwing is actually very much guilty of this. Oh, yes. But in terms of whilst you're actually riding, I feel like we're starting to turn the corner on people uh, not... Are people thinking, let's have less stupid bullshit and just actually ride. Yeah. Well, and also more things are becoming voice controlled and helmet incorporated too. That that's cutting down on it. So yeah. as things get more modern, that's naturally cutting down on this. Um, so I think part of like Ram mounts will disappear because like there's more phone integration, kind of like drum brakes disappearing because of ABS. There's sort of a, a, a natural reason this sort of is going to erode. But also like I think it's just getting fucking tacky to have all this bullshit clamped to your handlebars. I hope so. Yeah. Um, okay. This has been, this next one has been a look 
going strong in certain circles since probably the 60s or 70s and doesn't show all that much sign of letting up. It's always been a mystery to me. I hope we're going to turn a corner. This is Ape Hangers. Yeah. Um... Oddly, I think it may persist just because of how awful it is. And it's... Like I said, it's a close relation to aftermarket suicide shift guy. But way more common. Well, no, because aftermarket suicide shift guy thinks that he gets some credit with older dudes. But the guy who gets the ridiculous ape hangers realizes that even amongst even amongst Harley guys, the guy who has the handlebars five feet off the ground is even alienating other Harley riders. It's so transgressive that it will persist forever. Yeah. Unless unless the police get involved, unless legislation is passed. Oh, legislation is passed. It's just not enforced. In the state of Colorado, I don't think you're allowed to have handlebars above shoulder height. Uh, I believe that's true. Yeah, Yeah. but it's not enforced in any way, shape, or form. Right. So it's it's transgressive enough, and it's it 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 continues to persist to persist because it's offensive. Like, not even like actually offensive to any one particular person but just offensive to everybody's sensibilities yeah and it it only exists for that reason so that's gonna continue to persist okay oddly i would think the more mild ape hangers will all go away and it's just gonna get more and more extreme possibly yeah Okay, there's two left. There's one more honorable mention, and then we've got the grand finale, like, motorcycle fad of all motorcycle fads. So, this this is another one that's on the way out. It's still, it's still a thing that you see. It's not nearly as common as it used to be, but this is still something you can see, not on any given day of the week, but certainly... Uh, once or twice a month if you're looking for it and that is the cell phone shot but also much much more offensive craigslist ad starring your wife or girlfriend (laughs) yeah that i i don't know why you think your 43-year-old wife is really going to up the resale value of this debadged Kawasaki Vulcan uh, 1400 or 1500 but there you go here it is um i i love it too when like they don't even really dress up much for it they're just in like denim shorts and like that's supposed to be super hot or whatever. I, 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 this is such a confusing thing to me. Like the results are never magazine quality, as clearly the photographer intended. 
there. This is a really weird one. Like, it's not that I blame people for trying. I blame people for trying, seeing the results, and putting it up on Craigslist anyway. It is extremely underwhelming. This is kind of up there with the guy who uh, records a video of his bike, and he does a full 360 rotation around the bike. But then as he goes around the back, he comes up real close and puts his hand over the license plate as he pans around the back of the bike. I've never understood that. Like why people cover up the license plate in in these ads. It's like you drive around all day with your license plate on display like, you know who can find out your license plate number and your address in 10 seconds? Anyone on your street. Like, it, uh, is that going to give them, like, all the information they need to hack your bank account? I mean, what what is this? I mean, if you had something particularly special that might be able to identify you, then I could understand but if you've got some like 90s GSXR 600 like maybe it's not important there's almost nothing special for sale on Craigslist so especially these days all right here we go the final the grand finale the motorcycle fad of all motorcycle fads the one that every time someone is thinking of buying a motorcycle or announces to a family member that they've just bought or they're going to buy a motorcycle this is mentioned and this is if you can read this the bitch fell off (laughs) t-shirt yeah <sighs> Why do people still think? Well, I, I don't know. Do does anyone still think this is clever? I haven't seen one of these for a while, but there was a solid like eighteen years of like you being able like these things being seen regularly in public, right? I've seen it evolve now. Like I've I've seen those still a few times, but. I've also seen it evolve now where now the um, you buy girl shirts that say I fuck on the first date and other like it's evolved now where, oh, we had these clever shirts when we were riding alone. Now you've got to have a more transgressive thing to put on the back of your shirt. But I think the saddest one is I saw this dude once riding in a t-shirt like you um again this is such a sad 90s thing you remember like people used to have like um like joke like pajamas in the 90s early 2000s that would have like you know like a, a torso with like six pack abs on it or whatever right yeah so I, I there I saw a motorcycle t-shirt once that was a dude like riding but the back of the shirt was like 
like uh like the back of like a, a bikini girl like as if it was wrapped around the back of him right like as if there was a passenger <laughs> how sad is that <laughs> Oh, but yeah, this, this is something that like ubiquitously, everybody is aware of this t-shirt, right? Everybody. And the only person, people that, I don't know. I I mean, they must still sell them at Sturgis, right? Like someone's still got to be selling them. Oh yeah. Because they're still in the public conscious. So this is, this is another thing. This is similar to something that was really popular in middle school, which was the FBI female body inspector t-shirts. What a classic. That everybody, <laughs> you know, and you think, well, why is that funny? Okay, you match the letters to something that's a little bit naughty. And it's like, no, you don't understand. At the time, this was fucking hilarious to <laughs> everybody it was or or uh i i miss the um the the fuzzy letter shirts with like the 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 different contrasting dots around them so oh, it's hard yeah. to focus and they say like i'm not as think as you drunk i am or or sometimes it would just they would like just have like really nonsensical things like a hand giving the middle finger <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or the Looney Tunes shirts where they're like breaking out through the Warner Brothers logo, and then on the back of the shirt, it's the back half of all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> How embarrassing is all that shit? Now? This is a very J.C. Penny era thing, but yeah, like again. Everybody gets a look at the 60s, the 70s, the 80s with rose-tinted glasses. But our generation, this will be immortalized. Yeah, no one's ever going to become nostalgic for plate photos. For what? Just taking pictures of your food. It's it's not going to come back. Oh, yeah. No No one's going to be like, I remember the early days of smartphone. (laughs) I remember when Facebook had integrity, man. That's not (laughs) going (laughs) to. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's all downhill from here. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but you know what? Like... At least, like, get-back whips aren't really a thing anymore. (laughs) At least extended (laughs) swing arms are gone. (laughs) That'll keep me going for a few years. Okay. Um, So, yeah, we're we're getting close to two hours here. Let's skip emails uh, for this week. We'll just catch up with them next week when we have more. Um, So, yeah, obviously we must have missed a hundred crazy motorcycle fads or trends whatever that aren't really a thing or or are nearly gone right they're they're not really a strong movement anymore so i think everyone needs to to come up with with one or two that that they think are worth mentioning and maybe next week we'll have an extended corrections and omissions with whatever people send us because well i guess no it might be the week after next week whenever the emails roll in whatever happens it, uh, who knows with the recording schedule it could be too early or too late so yeah send us those because i think that would make a really fun episode 
Right. So with that, let's remind everyone, hey, you can still send in emails to see if uh, you you qualify or want to be a part of the Road to Vesperado 2,000-mile, 250cc and under road trip that we're going to take in November. We have – well, we still need to get with Eric and give him the full info, but we've probably got a Spanish speaker for it, so you don't need to speak Spanish to apply for this anymore. Um, hey, we've got a listener. Well, we can who's always going to be coming through. We've got two people now that we're going to do in-person bike reviews with. So, if you're interested in doing that, email us. You know, we'll we'll try to get it into the calendar when the weather starts to warm up in a month or two. Here, uh, what else is going on with us? The show, this and that. Really, not much. Um. Yeah, I think we've we've done all the housekeeping we need to do there. So, whew, this has been I've been your host MotoGP. He's been your other host Swiggy. We are going to sign off on episode one thirty four, and we'll remind everyone to stay safe, stay tuned, and keep fighting the dragon. Let's hit the outro. And I don't want to die. Just want to ride on my boat.